0: And all of God's people said, Thank you B. I love to see an obedient wife. (laughs) That's what we'll be talking about today as well. (laughs) Good Good morning. So good to see you here. Last time in our message, we stopped at a point in which husband and wife and God were enjoying the rich benefits of the fulfillment of God's divine purpose for marriage which as we saw, is to show what God is like and to provide fulfillment for husband and wife. This is the focus we have been placing our attention on during the past weeks because of our conviction from the word that the foundations that have caused our nation and our homes to be strong and ungodly ones have either already been torn down or in the process of being torn down And so we're trying to rebuild the foundations. So that means going back to the original. It means going back to the basics. And the basics for the way in which we are to live are to be found in the word of God. So that's what we're focusing on here. Now, we wish we could stay in the mountaintop, as it were, of of, um, explaining again what's God's purpose for marriage and what God's purpose for the home is and how it displays what he is like but you see something happened that old serpent the devil crawled in and started to pervert God's purpose for the family and that's what we're looking at today you want to see now the the truth from the Word of God that the fall introduced a devilish perversion of God's purpose for marriage and the family Now, of course, by the fall remained the sin of the first husband and the first wife. The first father and the first mother, because we're talking about the family. See it in that context. The fall was a result of a family, husband and wife, turning away from God. That's how it all began. That's why I believe that if we're going to find a remedy for what's happening, we've got to go back to understand the cause. And that's what we're doing today. Now, the principles outlined in this chapter of Genesis chapter 3, and I invite you to turn to it with me. The principles outlined in this chapter is basic to understanding why marriage and family life experiences all the problems and difficulties. That we have and are experiencing and will do so until Jesus Christ comes. We need to understand what has happened here. If we're going to really find final solutions. Any solution without reference to what happened here will not last. It will not endure. We can turn over a new leaf. But we'll sown Have to try to start to turn over another one because we're going to mess that new leaf up as well. You want to know exactly what to do in order to put our families back together. In order to have the kind of relationship between husband and wife. We need to know what God intended for us in the beginning. Let's begin by looking at the perversions or the judgments that were self-imposed. In other words, perversions that came because of the actions of the first husband, and the first wife, first mother, and the first father. There was, first of all, the loss of intimacy between husband and wife that led to the distortion of leadership roles. We find this in the first six verses of Genesis chapter 3. It's important for us to understand here that all the problems we have on this earth all started when Eve acted independently of Adam. That's how it all started. When a wife took on her husband's role. That's how it started. She assumed a role and responsibility that was not hers. And since then, the world has not been the same. Isn't to the text. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. Stop there for a moment. we are coming back and forth to these verses. Notice the text says, The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. You see, this modifier, if you want, this explanation, this editorial comment is designed to show the gravity of the situation that is about to be engaged in. This was a crafty individual. No one was wiser than he was. No one was more smart than he was. He knew what the consequences would be if his directions would be followed. There was a strategy behind what he was doing. That's what this comment is designed to indicate. He was smart. He was intelligent. He was crafty. He knew exactly what he was doing. It was a plan. Notice what the deck says. And he said to the woman. That's what this strategy You begin, not with the main target, but someone who could influence the target. He began with the woman. He knew what he was doing. Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, this was not an affirmation on the part of Satan. It was a denial of what Jesus Christ said. But he wanted to make it look like an innocent question. And he was in fact about to challenge the very Godness of God. That was his right. To demand obedience from his creatures. And to be obeyed and be worshiped for who he was. And Satan is challenging that. But he's doing it very subtly. A little question didn't seem too bad. You shall not eat from any tree of the garden is the question. Did God say this? The woman said to the serpent. That was the first mistake. She shouldn't have said this. She should have allowed Adam to say this. That's the first mistake. Because this crafty individual is an arch enemy of God. From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said. You shall not eat from it. Or touch it. Isn't that wonderful? Eve is trying to put up a fence around the command of God. You know what a fence is? Is when we try. To do things. To make other people. Obey God. Don't touch it. Did God say that? No, We see, he thought she was helping God out. Because if you don't touch it, you can't eat it. We do that sometimes as Christians. We add to the word of God to try to make other Christians do what we want. In fact, we add to the word sometimes to make unbelievers do what we want. We' trying to help out God by saying a little more than He said. The Pharisees were famous for that. That's another mistake, trying to help out God by going further than He did in His word. We do that all the time. You don't know, like the way some people act, so you quote a scripture, but you add a little bit more to it. Or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. This was a cosmic challenge to the godness of God and to the very nature of God. God is a God who cannot lie. Satan is saying here, God is a God who can lie. God is truth. In him. There is no sin, there's no lie, there's no error. So Satan is challenging the very nature, the ontos, the godness of God. God is not who he says he is. He's a liar. And you know who's saying this? The father of lies. He was a liar from the beginning. He still is this where it started and it started when a wife allowed herself to be exposed to the devil without the authority of a husband I hope you see the gravity of this we have come so far from the truth of God now when we talk about these things we look at one another we laugh Who <laughs> me I can do what I want I don't have to go under any authority that God has established. We've come a long way, baby. That's true. A long way from the truth. That's why husbands and wives and homes and families are in the condition that they're in. Because they're living it under the lies of Satan and said to the woman you shall you will not die for God knows for God knows God does know all things but this is one thing God didn't know now when I say that I mean from an intentional point of view for God knows that in the day you eat from it your eyes will be opened now you see He's changing everything that God has set up their eyes were already opened open to the things God wanted their eyes to be open to but Satan is saying no the only way you could be like God is if your eyes are opened the way my eyes are opened what is happening this is the one who said way back in heaven I will be Like the most high. He's saying the same thing here. Husband and wife. Adam and Eve. Mom and dad. You could be like God. By not obeying. The voice of God. With my voice. And you're going to see here. That the voice you listen to. Will determine how you live. Notice now. Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. They were already like God. The Bible says, God said, let us make man in our own image. They were already like God. But Satan blinded their eyes to that. And they could only see what he wanted them to see. Already knowing good and evil. Now, if it's one thing that is not the main or major characteristic of God, is that He knows good and evil. Now He does, but that's not His major character, is it? But that's what the evil one put before this woman who chose to meet Satan on her own ground of authority. God knows good and evil. And if you want to know good and evil then you got to disobey him. God is selfish. God is keeping the best away from you. He's not giving you the best. Many husbands and wives think that in the marriage. The Wife look at the husband, that ain't my best. Husband look at the wife, that ain't the best. If only I'd waited a little longer. Nancy says I got to watch out what I say. I'm sure that's what she thinks about me now. See, I wasn't all the man that I am a little while ago. I'm about twice the man that I was. Let me get off of that, let me get off of that. Here's my point. This is where it all began. This is the why behind the what that's going on today. And if we don't understand the why, we're not going to be able to fix the problems. We could go to all the psychologists and psychiatrists and all those things. But if you don't come here, we're not going to have the final solution. And notice now the selfishness of Eve. It was selfishness that motivated Satan. The most beautiful, intelligent Creature ever made, the closest relationship to God a person can ever have. But yet he said, I want to be like God. Notice Eve. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that satisfies her. And was it light to the eyes? That's her eyes. The tree was desirable to make one wise. She wanted that wisdom. She took from its fruit and ate. It was a selfish response to this challenge from the evil one. Selfishness. This was a time that she should have turned to her husband. Now you can see he wasn't too far away. Because he ain't getting away mine. I, I just, but I focus on Eve right now. This is a time she should have turned to him. He said, honey, take over. But she didn't. She forgot about him. All of these lusts were selfishly motivated. That's one of the first things that destroys a marriage when a husband or a wife only begins to think about their own needs and not the needs of their mate. But let's go on. Not only did Eve act independently of Adam, but Adam acted independently of God. She gave also to her husband with her. Now, I, I have always been trying to find out how close this with her was. I mean, you know, was Adam sitting out on another tree, in a coconut tree or a dilly tree or something? While well, Eve was over here looking at all the trees? I don't know. But he was there. He was nearby. He should have stepped in. He didn't. As the leader of the home, Remember, God made the woman for the man. That's what the Bible says. Not man for the woman. And one of the first things, the first responsibility that this man has for this woman, that God had created, and he calls it a helpmate. We'll talk about that another time what that means was protection. Protection. Adam was responsible to protect his wife from the devil. He failed to do so that's still happening today husbands don't even try to protect their wife from the devil you say man I don't know what the devil look like that's because you don't read the Bible you don't study the Bible because the Bible tells us a Christian is not ignorant of the devices or the strategies of the devil if you As a husband, the leader of the home, who's the protector of your family. If you knew the word, you will know the devil when you see him. You will know the devil when he comes in the form of a good job or position for your wife. Who's going to take away from the children or from you. You'll be able to tell the devil when he comes and says, boy, listen, let's get all of these good things. Let's prepare our children to be rich. Let them, let's prepare them to have, be professionals. Don't let's prepare them for the work of God. You will know the devil if you read and study the word of God. And wives are exposed to danger because of the failure of their husbands to live up to the responsibility to protect their wives. Now you husbands, you could hide under the desk. You'd say what you want. But that's where it starts. Satan achieved his purpose. To cause the first couple. To rebel against the authority of God. All of our sins go right back to that. Failure. To bow to the authority of God. That's it. Husbands love your wives. As Christ loved the church and died for her. What does that mean? That means that you care for and you protect your wife, even if it means your life. Now, some people like, oh, think, well, you know, but that means you might have to give up getting a good car so your wife could have a bicycle. That's my way of emphasis. By what I'm saying, is she might need something that doesn't seem so important. But hey, this car, this computer, this TV, I want it for me. So, no, wife, you got to wait. You see, that's the mundane things. But the principle is that you're willing to give up anything, even your life, for your wife. That's where protection comes in. That's where care comes in. That's where nourishing comes in. Satan began with what the apostle Paul calls the weaker vessel. Actually, it's more correctly, it's the more delicate vessel. The more fragile vessel. The more precious vessel. He began... See, that's a strategy. He knows what he's doing, and this weaker vessel showed her strength when she caused Adam to commit the same sin that she did. That's strength. That's the strength of a woman, able to make a man to disobey God. You said that can't happen to me. Oh, ho, 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 ho. We're going to get into some of those things later. Just started back here. She was deceived by the deceiver, and she fell into sin. He, on the other hand, chose to sin, and he walked into it with his eyes wide open. That's why today God blames the man, the husband. Adam, for what has happened, not the woman. The buck stops with him, as far as God is concerned. He failed in his area of responsibility. Now, notice this carefully now, because this is so crucial to understanding what's happening in our own lives and in the lives of so many others. Eve succumbed in a crucial area of female weaknesses. And that's a respect for and submission to a husband. One of the most, if not the most difficult thing for a woman to do is to submit to her husband. That's an inbuilt resistance. And you know where it started? Right here. She succumbed to a crucial area of feminine weakness. Respect for and submission to her husband. That's why... In Ephesians, the woman is given two commands. Submit to your husband and respect him. That's the two areas that she failed in here. He, on the other hand, succumbed in the area of male weakness. And that's leadership of his wife and accountability to God. We have the attitude today to the wise man, You know, you think that's okay. You go ahead. Do what you want. That's not leadership. That's abandonment of leadership. That's laziness. We are to be the ones who are guiding our wives into the ways and the things of God. Accountability. Men hate accountability. They run away from it. That's where Adam failed. And so this awakening of guilt and shame led to the introduction of masks between husband and wife. There were no masks then. None of them tried to hide anything or keep anything back. We're going to see in a moment how there was sweet fellowship between one another and between them and God. But today, think about your own life as a husband and a wife. As a mom and as a dad. You've got masks on. You never allow your husband to see you as you are. You never allow your wife to see you as you are. You're afraid for one thing or the other. A mask. Genuine communion was perverted. Communion between the husband and wife and God, which led to perversion of communion between husband and wife. And listen carefully now. Communion, the breaking of communion between husband and wife always begins with the breaking of a communion between you and God. Always. Always. Male and female hid their real selves from each other. Each with the mistaken idea that they were protecting themselves through their own efforts independent of each other and of God. They're saying, the only one who can protect me is... Me, my husband can't protect me. My wife can't care for me. And so all the focus is shifted on us again. If anything good is going to happen to or for me, then I got to make it happen. Selfishness. And so the loss of intimacy with God led to the major perversion of marriage. Couples are no longer open to God or to one another. That's why verses 8-10 through of this passage is one of the most crucial passages of Scripture in the whole Bible relative to communion with God. This passage is the seed revelation for the ongoing progressive revelation concerning genuine fellowship with God and fellowship with husband and wife. Listen to the words, verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God. They heard the sound of... Of the Lord God. If we stop there, that's beautiful words. To listen to the sound or the voice of God with the sense of obeying. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I want you to see the beautiful picture that is presented here. It has to do with the bliss of fellowship and listening to the voice of God, the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. And they never did that before. In fact, it is implied that when they heard the voice of God or the sound of God in the garden, they rushed to him to fellowship with him before this happened. But now, they hid themselves, notice, from the presence of the Lord. Now we know we can't hide from the presence of God, but they, you see, this is where Satan has blinded their minds now hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden, that which God has provided for them for refreshment and blessing, now they are using them to hide from him. Doesn't that happen in our lives many times? The blessing that God gives us, we use to keep ourselves away from God. We buy the biggest TV so we could stay home on Sunday night. We buy the biggest and the nicest boat so we could go out. All the blessings of God and it keeps us away from fellowshipping with God. That's what's happening here. And we do it, you know, <laughs> boy, God has really blessed me. Blessed me to stay away from worshipping him and with his people. That's what they did. They hid amongst the trees. Now, boy, if I was preaching evangelistically, here, yeah, I would really go to town here. Yeah. I'd say, well, Elna, you know why you ain't nobody in the choir? Look in the bush. You know why I am getting the body at the to leading? Look in the bush. You know why it is that you, we have so few people coming out Sunday night to fellowship and to hear the word of God? Look in the bush. Look in the bush. Listening to other voices and using the blessings of God to keep them away from God. But I'm preaching evangelistically, so let me get back to it. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Do you think God didn't know where Adam was? See, the big implication here is Adam. We were supposed to be under this coconut tree on the beach with the breezes blowing and we could talk to one another. Why aren't you there? Why aren't you enjoying that fellowship with me? Notice now, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. What a turnaround. Hearing the voice of God up to this time was a joy, was a pleasure, was something they looked forward to. Now when they hear the voice of God, they, the, uh, they hide themselves. Husband and the wives are doing the same thing today. Some people don't come out of church when you know you're preaching on a certain passage. Why? Because it speaks to them where they are. And so they hide. They hide in the bush. They don't want to hear that voice. They want to hear the voice of someone else who don't talk about these things. They want to hear voices saying, hey man, that's all right. You can be comfortable, but you work so hard. You deserve this. Rather than listening to the word, that says you could gain the whole world. But if you lose your own soul, you've lost it all. People just don't want hear the voice of God today. They don't want to hear it. They could blame the messenger. They could blame too hot, too cold, too far, too long. They don't want to hear the voice of God. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. Isn't that amazing? They were naked all along. They knew they were naked. But they were not ashamed. So it made no difference whether they were naked or clothed. No difference. It's only when they sinned that all of a sudden what they were doing was now shameful. And I hid myself. Let me ask you something. Whose voice are you listening to when it comes to your relationship between your spouse? Whose voice? Whose voice are you listening to when it comes to your relationship with your children? Are you listening to their voice? Are you listening to that voice that says, Hey, you don't suppose to discipline your children. Let them choose whether they want to come to church or not. Let them choose whether they want to follow God or not. Let them choose. Are you listening to that voice? Are you listening to the voice that says, Hey, ladies, we've come a long way. To be at home with your young children and with your, and to take care of your husband and to see that your home is a haven for you, your wife, your husband, and your children. That that's the highest priority in scripture for a woman. Or are you listening to the voices saying, no, oh, no, no, no. You got to go there and get a job. Even if you got to farm your children out to others to keep for you. You say, Pastor Lee, boy, you don't know my situation. I don't, but I know what the word of God says. And situations do not change the word of God. We may find ways to, in order to conform to the word of God, but don't say, get away from the word of God so we could do what we want to do. Sometimes there are difficulties and hardships you must face to obey the word of God. Whose voice are you listening to? God called out the children of Israel. And he said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. That's the voice of God. Pharaoh said, I will not let your people go. I want them to stay here. They can do everything they could do in the wilderness here. Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me. God is making a call for his people to come out of the world. To worship him. But yet. Remember Pharaoh's response. Ferris says listen they can worship you here. God says no they can't. They could worship me only in the way. That I have determined. But we have husbands and wives. Fathers and mothers today saying hey. I can worship God in my own way. I don't have to come together with the people of God. I can worship by myself. Nowhere the Bible teaches that when it comes to the church. It's the whole concept. In fact the church means to call out to Christ. Call out to worship Christ. But we listen to voices. All kinds of voices other than the voices of God. Is the voices of the devil speaking to us. To take us away from God. And so we don't enjoy the tranquility and the freshness and the vibrancy. Of that fellowship of, with God and His people, because we're listening to other voices. Now, look at verses 11 and 13. The tendency to deny respective responsibility in marriage comes in. Adam said, My wife made me do it. Ducking responsibility, refusing to accept accountability. Implying that is God's fault because after all I had fun as a single man and I had no problems You come make this woman for me and give her to me now look what she done Eve said the devil made me do it now. That's one we use all the time She's also denying responsibility and accountability and you see this is where marriage began to drift away from the purpose of God and husband and wife refuse to live up to their respective responsibilities in marriage. And it's happening today. Now, as we go on the stage, we're going to show you practical implications of this. Why it is that we still have people fighting and who's the boss in the family. It's because we've gotten away from the voice of God in the text. We're going to look at it. all of the practical consequences. That has caused the home to be in disarray today. And it all goes back here. To the fact that we're not listening to the voice of God anymore. We're listening to voices. Other than the voice of God. And I'm saying to you that if we are going to rebuild the foundation of the home. Husband and wife. Parents and children. We must listen to the voice of God. Not to the voice of Satan. Satan. The voice of the world, the voice of self. We must listen to the voice of God. That's how we can begin to rebuild the foundations of the home and the family. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the good ground that it has found today, the seed of your word. Thank you for the fruit that will come. Thank you for your promise. That you use and utilize your word to accomplish your purpose and not ours. So may your will be done. And all of God's people said, Amen.